And I think a big point before we move deeper into this is, you know, we're talking about business leadership. How do we get these values to permeate? Number one, they, they cannot be, again, we we've hit on this already, but empty words on a piece of paper. It can't be lip service. Right. I mean, empty values are almost empty, toothless values are almost not almost, but are more dangerous than not even stating them at all and just going about the way you do things. But once you have those values in place as a leader, we've talked about self-leadership being the first step for Mm -hmm. leadership. Mm -hmm. You've got to do it first. Your people have to see that you're living out the values that you're putting forth for the company as well. Right. Then, like we said, then it begins to permeate. And I've said a couple of times on the episodes why I have issues or problems with some of the bonus programs that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. If you really want values to stick and you throw five bullets on a piece of paper, say these are values, and then your whole bonus program is just totally written on the bottom line of the financials. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach Levy, and joining me, as always, is our other esteemed co-host, the Andy McDowell. Hello, and how are you today? Good to be here with you. Great. It's been a fun day so far. Yeah. Clouds and rain in and out today in Atlanta. The sun's coming out, though, so. Yep. Yep. Winter's almost done here. I would sing for y'all, but then you would stop listening, so it's more of Andy's alley. I just talk. I have to turn down the volume. So today we're going to, you know, the title of the podcast is Generate Your Value. And we're going to talk about values, which is a slightly different definition of what the word means in in the statement, generate your value. Right. In In some respects, but we'll talk about values, mostly from a business perspective. I mean, you could easily, easily translate this into your personal life, but company has its culture. I mean, it's pretty defined. It's out there. We've had episodes about uh, culture inside of a company, but the foundation of the culture is what values are stated and hopefully honored. Right. That's a big word, hopefully, in a lot of respects, but... We can can state them all day long, but if they're words on a piece of paper... And not inscribed in what we do, then there's no foundation to be built. It's just a plan that's never constructed, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, well, I think what we want to talk about today is they're more than just words on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And they're often treated that way. But there are examples out there, and if you want a, a recent one, go to Netflix and download a documentary that just came out called Downfall. Well, I'm not going to talk any details about it today, but it'll give you an example how values make a significant impact on not only your company's life, but maybe your customers and other people that are around it from that perspective. But Well, I would say, I mean, on that note, Andy, the the values there, if we imagine a pebble thrown into a, into a still body of water, it creates mm-hmm. ripples that go ripple very far out. go very far out. And so it's not limited to just your company. It could be limited to other stakeholders within your company that are not employees of the company from that perspective. But let's say you're not – most thing I talk about today, what if you're a business owner and you're not happy with the values – or you want to reinforce the values. Say it is on a piece of paper and you're trying to get the company to live these values. You don't feel like that's going on. What what are some things to look at in an effort to reinforce it? And as I was thinking about this this past week, Zach, the, the imagery that kept coming into my mind was how many times, particularly before no smoking in restaurants and hotels really came into being, where you go rent a hotel room and there was a smoker that had been in the room before and you walk in and everywhere you go within the room, it just reeks of smoke. Right. Right. So if you can think of the smoke itself as the values, Mm -hmm. it permeates everywhere. It gets into the, Sheets of the bed, it gets into the drapes, it gets into the carpet, it gets into everything that's that's in the room. Right. You know, it's, it's a little bit distasteful of an analogy, just from the experience of well, thinking about I, it. I but, think to, but the, but to make it a little more, you know, not... More palpable. Stinky, if you will, because yeah. no offense to anybody that does smoke, but we all know it does have an odor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but... You know, I think what you're getting at is these values, they don't just stay within us. They permeate everything that we touch or are around. Everyone. Every person, every process, every leadership effort. Right. It's everywhere. Or it's supposed to be. That doesn't, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that because you have it on a piece of paper, it automatically gets permeated into everything. There has to be effort behind it to make that a reality. But if it's not if it's not the values on the piece of paper, it's some other set of values then. Right? There is no absence of values in an organization. Right. It's it's something's driving or let me rephrase that. Something is a driving force towards the why. outcomes and the events and activities that are going on inside of a company. Right. So that being said, um, let's let's talk about some of the steps. I'm going to take a step back. Values can also be used as a strategic positive out there. Mm-hmm. 
if you actually state it and it's permeated within your company, then that might be a strategic effort or leverage right. that you can use uh, for your company. And I think a big point before we move deeper into this is, you know, we're talking about business leadership. How do we get these values to permeate? Number one, they they cannot be, again, we, we've hit on this already, but empty words on a piece of paper. It can't be lip service. Right. <clears throat> I mean, empty values are almost, empty toothless values are almost, not almost, but are more dangerous than not even stating them at all and just going about the way you do things. But once you have those values in place as a leader, we've talked about self-leadership being the first step for mm-hmm. leadership. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it first. Your people have to see that you're living out the values that you're putting forth for the company as well. Right. Then, like we said, then it begins to permeate. And I've said a couple of times on the episodes why I have issues or problems with some of the bonus programs that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. If you really want values to stick and you throw five bullets on a piece of paper, say these are values, and then your whole bonus program is just totally written on the bottom line of the financials, there's no guarantee that that linkage occurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could very well be that you've got good profitability because you truly have the values and you're living them out. But the exact opposite can still occur and still make a profit. Mm-hmm. But yet your employees are leaving all the time and your words are hollow and high rates of turnover and so forth. So it's it's not an automatic given. There is some linkage here that you need mm-hmm. to be cognizant of if you're a business owner or a leader within an organization is you, tr- you truly only get the really great results if the values are permeated, everybody's aligned, everybody's working together. It doesn't mean you can't make a a profit with your company is just that there's going to be some cost to it. Lack of engagement, lack of a desire to be there. People are leaving because the words are hollow. Mm-hmm. And so you're wasting time, wasting resources, always having to recruit all the time because you right. just have this revolving door of employees from that perspective. I think we also need to make the point that it's difficult because they permeate through the the whole organization, it takes constant vigilance and attention to make sure it always stays that way. Well, and there's got to be a certain level of uh, fortitude behind it as well. Conviction. Conviction, fortitude, and Resilience. Per- persistence to continue to mm-hmm. push those values because – in all honesty, it's different strokes for different folks, if we're being completely honest. Mm-hmm. So, especially if you're coming into or you're trying to change the face of an already established organization that maybe you haven't been living the values you put down and then you start trying to enforce them, that could be very off-putting to some. Mm-hmm. Create pain points. Yes. Create division. Outcast people. And depending on the the level that you're setting with the values may be difficult to achieve. Right. And people just give up after time. It's like you're asking for too much. But but at the same time, that's going to differentiate a company. Absolutely. So, you know, sometimes the saying that... 
And it's huge input into your brand. Right. We have to give up to get up. Mm-hmm. Right. In that aspect, it's, I talk about this in, in my business all the time is if we're working, I've, I've honestly, y'all, I've had to really evaluate what our values are when it comes to trainees and things like that, that we work with. It's just like, you know, a Honda Accord's built in hours time, mm-hmm. right on assembly line, mm-hmm. whereas a Rolls Royce takes, you know, months to build. And so Cause some, it's, cause it's all hand built. Right. Not- and it's quality and mm-hmm. it's. So going after quality and putting the value into that business and not willing and be unrelenting and not moving on that at all, not not flexing, sticking to those values, it's going to be harder. It's going to seem like longer to build on, but that builds that foundation. It's like the biblical parable about the house built on a solid foundation or built on a rock. It's going to mm-hmm. stay there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think both Honda and Rolls-Royce would would spout that they have high-quality products, but a lot of times the definition of the quality or the line of the standard is defined by the customer. Right. And are they willing to pay for it? Right. You know, for some folks, quality is reliability. For some folks, the main ingredient of quality is longevity. Right. Yeah, I may have to fix it every once in a while, but I get 200,000 miles out of the car or it'll last me 15, 20 years, you know, before right. I have to replace an engine or whatever. So, quality is a tricky word. Cause well, it's, it's subjective. Re- it's subjective and it's made up of other other qualities. Right. Right. What qualities do you put within the quality of quality? Does that make sense? <laughs> Did I just say that? That was a quality <laughs> statement. But my point in saying that is it it, you know, if you're gonna build up your values, there's gonna be some some points where it seems like you're moving slower, even sometimes moving backwards, but it's it's transitory. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, taking a bow and arrow, right? You have to pull it back before you launch it forward. So it's mm-hmm. gonna feel like you might be even pulling things back to be able to launch forward. So with that being said, I mean, when you get ready to implement the values, especially in that already standing organization, be prepared. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into the the four, four things you need to be cognizant of if you're trying to change or transition to a new set of values within an organization. And the first one of which is to understand that there are different types of values. First and biggest being sort of your core values. I mean, these are values that will forever be in a company that are like the foundational values and, and the gotta haves, if right. you will, within the organization. And you know, this can be different different for every, for everybody. It depends on what you feel like is important for your, your success or differentiation and your mm-hmm. strategy, or there's different reasons why people would establish core values, but it's important that they get established and decided upon by either the owner or the top leadership of the company. And they have to be willing to own it and live it, to be models of it. Otherwise, you're not going to get any traction or buy-in or engagement whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be, eh, don't believe it. 
You know, your actions don't speak those. You know, through your leadership or whatever, which is which is a high risk to your company if that's if that's the issue. All right, what's another one? It's another one on the list. So the next would be, I'd say, what are your aspirations? Aspirational values, right? So you may not be there yet, but this is what we're trying to achieve. And making those known, because again, I mean, without vision, people will perish, basically. Right. And having that stated just as well as your core values. It's, we've talked about the value statements in business before. Mm-hmm. These all have to hold true. So aspirational values, making sure that everybody is on board with where you're moving to. And that, again, from a self-leadership perspective, that every move that you make is demonstrating that that is what you're moving towards. Right. I mean, these, these really come into play when you're trying to transition. So you may mm-hmm. have a set of values. You want to be core, but you're not there yet. Right. So there are going to be aspirational values now as we transition and try to get ourselves to the point where they would be core values because they're everywhere and have permeated the the company. Well, and to kind of differentiate these as well, the, the core value is going to be what your culture is built upon. Mm-hmm. That is the integrity pieces, the honesty, trustworthiness, those quality. things. The really in-depth quality pieces of mm-hmm. that. Whereas aspirational values, like you said, is where you want to go. So is the market changing, right? How do you do with that? To be innovative. Right. For example, might be an aspirational because that sort of denotes that you are going to be changing things in the future as you innovate things. Right. And one example of this may also be, I mean, look at when we talked about the great resignation, it's because people got tired of being locked in an office for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And not having work-life balance. So how are companies establishing the aspirational values in order to be able to provide that work-life balance? Right. Yeah, you might right. not even state it in the future as being a value. It's aspirational. We want that work-life balance. Right. And we're going to do a number of items in our processes or hiring or whatever it may be to get ourselves to that point. Once we reach that point, I guess you could you could always leave it in there and say we always try to promote work life balance, but it, it may take a much lower backseat to some other things once you feel like you've got the company to that point. Mm-hmm. It's not aspirational anymore. It's either going to become a core value or something else. All right, number three is uh, permission to play value. This one I would I would personally take a lot of pride in. <laughs> okay. So just from a personal you want standpoint. To elaborate? <laughs> I do. Thank you. What do I mean by that? So in our business, we moved to the Zoom era back when COVID hit and had to shut down the office, things like that. And so we moved to Zoom and all of a sudden people get lazy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, showing up um, to, you know, trainings or meetings or whatever in sweatshirts, hoodies, anything just, and this is just strictly off of appearance, but from a consumer standpoint, when I'm dealing with a professional, whatever field I'm in, I want to get a first impression that they're a professional. Right. And so that was one of the, you know, 
quote unquote pay to or permission to play values we instituted was, you know, males don't get on a Zoom without a collar on, mm-hmm. right? You're not wearing a hat. You're you've got to look the part if you're going to play the part. Just for an example, and things like punctuality and work ethic, and that would fall into these categories or this category. Quickly respond to emails. Right. Kinds of things. Yeah. Well, the permission to play value is not something that really differentiates you from the competition. It's the way I like to think of it, it's a value that has a, a lot of leeway. It might get defined slightly different by people, and that's okay. As long as you're in the ballpark of the area, it doesn't have to be absolute, right. like a core value kind of thing. But there's not a ton of devi- deviation typically across a similar industry. Now, I would beg to differ that it could help you differentiate yourself from your competition. An example, Maybe. I'll, an example I'll use here would be in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. So you've got major fast food chains. You've got McDonald's, you've got Wendy's, you've got Burger King, you've got, you know, checkers or rallies, depending on what part of the country you're in, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then you've got, you know, all those companies, which seem to hold a pretty similar permission to play standard, having gone to them, experienced Mm -hmm. the experience that they provide. But then you go to a Chick-fil-A. Right, still fast food, same industry, but they hold completely different core. I mean, core values alone set them apart. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to their aspirational values. That's kind of the inner workings. That's the think tanks, right? Right. But I can definitely see the difference in their permission to play values, because you know it, it's, for example, they've got to be sharp. They've got to. Look the part. It's, you know, instead of your welcome, my pleasure, all these different things, they hold their employees to a very high standard of minimum excellence that mm-hmm. they have to portray in order to be able to maintain employment there. But as long as they're hitting that minimal standard, once they go above it, they have a little bit of room of right. play, so to speak. Right. But my Trying point, new things or being innovative or, or whatever. My point in that would be, you know, their minimum is much, much higher yes. than anybody else in the fast food industry that I can think of. And that does differentiate them. Yes. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you've said on that point. All right, last one is accidental values. And these are values that sort of spontaneously occur and sort of permeate their way through the organization and... There was no intention behind them. There was no intentional effort to make that a value. It just sort of sprung up. It's a happenstance value. (laughs) So with that, I mean, a lot of this comes from tribes within a company almost, right? Mm -hmm. Where you get employees. It's almost kind of trendy. Right. Or like a trend happens, all of a sudden it's so ingrained. Right. It becomes a value. So, and back from my restaurant management days, I can speak to this because every single, I mean, I manage three stores maximum, 
Mm. But all three of my stores at the time all had different cultures. They all stayed, right. still had the same core values because that was the system that was put in place by the by corporate. Right. Had the same aspirational values because that was the marching orders from corporate. Permission to play set by corporate. Mm-hmm. Enforced by management. Because <laughs> that was a little bit different too sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's where I got to have me- meetings with people. <laughs> but... Accidental values, it was, okay, I walk into one store and they're, you know, jamming out to a certain song. Maybe they've got to create a little line dance to it that the customers love, something like that. Whereas in other stores kind of not playing music, they just get the job done and heck, it even, you know, deviated shift to shift. Mm-hmm. So. But it was still doing for each store. Right. So, and a lot of it was, you know. And some of it's, some of it's because of the leadership style of. I mean, because you you were you were man- managing three stores at the same from a regional perspective, but each right unit you were managing had its, had its own, own manager, its yeah. own manager who was sort of setting the tone. Oh, from the a, stores definitely took on the personality of their managers, personality and managers, good and bad. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever value statements they were making to their right employees from that perspective. All right, and so I, that's on that note. Just before we move on, yeah, I would definitely say as a manager, though. Or leader. I like leader better than manager. Making sure that you clearly differentiate for yourself what what core values you hold versus what accidental values pop up. Mm-hmm. Because accidental values can vary. I mean, if you have turnover and it is culture-driven by the employee's yeah, personality, it's, it's, it's going to change. Yeah, if it's driven by the leader and the leader leaves, it could, right. the accidental ones could just disappear altogether. Right. Particularly if the new one coming in does a sweep of some people out the door and brings in people that he or she more aligns with as right. their team from that perspective. So those those are the four sets of, of different types of values that you need to be cognizant of. You need to understand that, maybe evaluate and figure out in each of those categories what you've got going on within your company as a starting point, right? Right. You got to identify where you're at before you can start moving somewhere else, if that's what you're trying to accomplish. But once you've established it and you communicated it, you got to start being authentic and living it out yourself, right? Where you and your leadership team need to be modeling right. those behaviors on a consistent basis and be authentic about it so that people don't go, and eh, they're just faking it. They don't really live that out. They're just... Speaking hollowy, there's no there's no substance to the There's a non politically correct way to put that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep it PG. So but the point is here to be authentic in everything that you do. Right. Because the the moment you intentionally authentic. Uh, intentionally be authentic because the minute the minute you you deviate for a day or two or whatever, people start picking up on going, uh, and the trust level starts going down, well, and then and they don't believe your words. When big decisions are being made, if you're if you've been authentic through the process, it's going to fulfill through the. It's almost going to be the catalyst of those decisions. Well, and a big part of the reason why that decision is being made in the direction that it is. Right. So the the next one, the next piece would be. Own it. Don't apologize. Well, you own the process. Don't hand it off to somebody else. I mean, 
don't hand it off to HR and say, HR, go do this. And then you don't model it. Right. You don't own it. You don't ever speak to it. And then, then you know, that subconsciously t- tells your team, well, it doesn't really matter. He doesn't ever talk about it. He doesn't right. live it. He doesn't model it. And you don't feel like you have to because you just hand it off to HR and say, it's an HR problem. You all go figure it out. Right. So own the process. And, you know, on that note, there's a, a great book about ownership, Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership. It's mm-hmm. it's one heck of a read, but I would recommend it just to uh, have a, you know, thick skin because <laughs> it might offend you about yourself a little bit. But owning it and also not handing it off to an HR or something like that, because at that point, once you hand it off, if somebody gets pissed off about it or offended by it or mm-hmm. something like that, Oh no, that's HR's fault. That's not owning it. Then you're just using a scapegoat to make yourself look good. And that's not being authentic whatsoever, as we talked about before. And just to pull a quote here, value initiatives have nothing to do with building consensus. They're about imposing a set of fundamental, strategically sound beliefs on a broad group of people. What that says is it's not about making everybody happy and feel good. It's about establishing a culture and saying, here's what we require. Here's our culture. If you don't agree with it and can't get on board, might not be a fit. And once again, we keep, keep harping on over and over again on multiple episodes about to get engagement with your people. We have to explain about the why of things. Mm -hmm. So if you're choosing a new set of core values and you're communicating that everybody else in the company, you have to explain why is this decision being made? Right. What kind of outcomes are you expecting eventually down the road to come about because of these decisions that we want to change or core values or reinforce them or whatever, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in this effort. Right. So you can get buy-in and get heads shaken up and down going, okay, I see. Okay. I see what you're trying to do here, you know, and if they buy into it, then they're on board and going to be helping you. But if you don't talk about that why at all, it's like, oh, here's another executive initiative. Right. <laughs> That's going to go by the wayside, you know, because nobody's going to buy into it. We're just going to be right I back mean, where we were. We've talked multiple times on consistency. So that goes right back into making sure it's your own core values as well. And then like we talked about, those values have got to permeate everything that you do. Yes. You can't have one set of values for the manufacturing department and another set of values for HR. Right. Right. So whether you're talking about different departments or different processes or whatever, then it truly is not a core value then. Right. If it's not everywhere, you know, but strictly by just definition alone, it's not not a core value if it's not everywhere. Because that's at the center of everything. That's now, why the word core is involved. <laughs> the, now, different departments, to your point, they might have different, you know, permission to play standards or values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the manufacturing department might need to wear safety glasses, safety equipment, all that, you know, PPE, good stuff. Whereas HR's in suits, you know, it's just to use appearance I mean, again. cubicles and, and whatever. Right. I mean, but the core value is we're all working, to, you know, everything we do revolves around doing it this way. So just differentiating there. 
Well, I know back in my Boeing days, they were really trying to make stronger and reinforce the core value of safety. And so even though I was in a remote office in an office environment with just offices and cubicles and whatnot, we, we as leaders were expected to do safety reviews in the office. You know, in, th- in terms of any disrepair in the equipment and any processes or procedures that may put somebody in harm's way, even though mm-hmm. the consequences of the harm might not be near as extreme as in the manufacturing arm, they, they were making a true effort to make safety a core issue everywhere, no matter how big or small. The risk, if you would, would be in any one environment within the business. The, the size of the risk didn't matter. It was just about safety, period. And we all have a part to play in that, from that perspective. Oh, that was interesting. I was I was a little doubtful in the beginning when it first rolled out, but you right. know, people took it serious and it started becoming much more of a core value within within the company. I mean, and they actively measured it and would publicize it about how many safety incidents were in the company, no matter where in the world or what office it was. They started tracking that as part of their executive um, dashboard up at the top to see how the efforts were going and did they need to reinforce it even more or. Do we have any common themes in the issues where training might need to be done or different equipment used or whatever it may be? They were looking for trends within numbers for what changes they need to have made. And so, where you know, if you're going to be consistent about it, where should it start? I mean, it should be top down. I would say that's top down, yes, but in sort of like a left or right kind of picture, it should also start the very first day that a person comes into the company, right? Yeah, so I mean, it's, all it's your- like a college course. You get the, you know, this might be a bad analogy, but you get the syllabus, which tells you the why of the class, what the goals are going to be and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, yeah. And I, I think that's where the art of storytelling can really come into play when you're do- given an orientation class and you're wanting to reinforce the values and say this is, looked upon by every leader and permeates the organization, you give stories of where this value came into play in an mm-hmm. activity or an event that happened to to reinforce it so that it's, once again, it's not just words on a piece of paper. It lives through a story of how we emphasize this and when something doesn't go right against that value, then corrective measures are taking. Right whether it's retraining the people or reinforcement or sort of looking for peer. When your peers see you doing something that goes against the values, even the peers will speak up, let alone management. So that would hold be them accountable. That positive peer pressure. The positive peer pressure, accountability. Right. From that perspective, if it's a value with customer service, you might give a story of how a salesperson or a customer representative went way out of out of the way to help a customer solve solve a problem they had right. with a product or a service or something that went beyond the call of duty, so to speak, to, and how then the company recognized him or her for her efforts and so forth to say, when we see things that really happen that are really based in the values, then we're going to reinforce and reward those kinds of behaviors to keep it alive and well within the organization. Right. 
All those are going to be reinforcing stories or reinforcing words you can use during orientation and onboarding somebody into the company that's going to set the tone, so to speak, right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of like a a left-right item as opposed to what you said, which is very top-down and very important just as well, too. Right. It sort of goes both ways. All right. Anything else you think we need to talk about? Just on one thing and establishing all those value statements and actually implementing them as a leader, you've got to model them first, but you've also got to really make sure once you establish them that you're unwavering, right? Yes. It's, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do to maintain culture because again, anything worth doing is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to be, you know, Oh, well, you can get away with this. You can get away with this. Here's the difference. I can take somebody that knows nothing and train them, right? But if somebody's not willing to hold the same values dearly that my organization is, it's not going to work. And I let them know that ahead of time. Because I want to set the, one of my core values is always setting expectations. Yeah, this is one area in business and in life that you really don't want to Part of my language, a half-assed effort. Right. I mean, going to life, if you look at um, the dating world, right? I know if we were to really trace back our steps, we would say we we might have compromised on some values some of the time. Mm-hmm. And how did it end up? Right? And so, making sure in the same aspect in, in, in business that we're not compromising on our values... Because that is, at the end of the day, what's going to continue to be the driving force of success as leaders. Well, I think that's about wraps it up uh, for conversation about values. A topic to be taken seriously and a lot of time spent on and go full speed ahead with, so to speak, in, in your efforts. And something to think about in your own organization if you own a company or have a major influence because you're fairly high up in the organization is a, are they formally stated what your values are and B, are you living them right. and modeling them and being consistent and intentional and doing it every day? Cause there, there are companies out there that have done that for many, many years and built a great brand. And then they deviate for a short period of time and mm-hmm. they fall off a cliff. Right. Because they didn't have their due diligence. They didn't do their consistent work to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And that might have started with great values, but then again, the compromise happens. What happens is you're dealing with the foundation of your company and you have a strong company because it's on a strong foundation because the values are being lived out every day. And then all of a sudden you deviate and that foundation starts crumbling and it all falls into the ocean, so to speak. Right. Would be one way of describing it. If we look back through business history, we have seen some absolute corporate giants. Enron. And yeah, be absolutely demolished because of holes in their values or empty value statements that were not lived um, out. There's a a recent one where the female CEO was on trial, right? It was called Theros or whatever. It was in the DNA game. 
I was making some statements that were ended up being false, and now it's probably cost her the company and maybe Basically, some jail they were time. Selling and, DNA to the medical industry instead of doing the genealogy research that they were perpetuating that right. they were doing. I that I'd actually forgotten about that, but yeah, I remember that pretty vividly. <laughs> well, I think the trial just recently wrapped up, didn't it? I don't remember what the results were, but anyway, I digress. Anyway, they're important to the foundation of your business if you don't tend to them. I mean, much like you have a house with a basement and you get a, a leak and water starts coming in and seeping in and crumbling the foundation and whatnot, before you know it, your whole house is crumbling. Um, and that's why you got to pay due diligence to it. Right. So we hope that this conversation was uh, fruitful. We got some nuggets out of it, some things to make you think. Do some introspection, whether it be introspection of the company or introspection of your life, and an assessment of where you're at. Make you think about your values to go generate more value. There you go. Well, to have a good foundation that then enables you to go generate value in the world, right? So with that, as always, we appreciate your time with us today. This is a heavy, heavy topic. So take it, chew on it, re-listen if you need to, yep. and go apply it. That's the biggest thing. Just like you know, self-help junkies, podcast junkies, things like that. You know, read books or whatever, and then don't apply the the information. It doesn't do us any good, and that's just wasting our most precious asset, which is time. So go apply this, mm-hmm. and then give us a, a follow and a share. Hit that subscribe, and then share it with somebody that could really benefit from this as much as you feel that you have so that we can continue to grow and generate value in this world. So that being said, have a great week, a great day. We'll see you here next Tuesday with another episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you later. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again... Thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world.